What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Passing Downs Podcast. I'm your host, Rahul Padi, and I'm here with my co-host, PD. Say what up. What's up? All right. We're back for our eighth episode on the year. Uh, Once again, reviewing the Week 8 games and heading into the Week 9 with some previews. And this week, I'll get started off with the London game. Now... This game was super early that I I completely forgot it even existed until I woke up Sunday morning, and I just remember seeing ETN going off for me on fantasy. But until I saw I rewatched this, I had no I had completely no recollection of what happened in this game. But th- going into this week, this was supposed to be a get right game for the Broncos, so to say. They've lost four straight, and it starts off with Russ, of course, who I'm going to talk about, who hasn't looked good this year at all. And this in this game, his stats looked mid once again. Uh, he was 18 for 30, 252 yards, a touchdown, and a pick. And the game looks very similar. Uh, it gets ugly from the very first pass where uh, you see Russ try to force the ball to Sutton on a slant and he kind of just throws it right to the defender. Very first pass of the game. Uh, It should have been picked off, but it happens to be dropped, and he gets lucky. And he follows that up by taking a bad sack on third and six, where he had K.J. Hamler open, but he just didn't see him, or whatever the reason was, didn't get it to him, and it ends the drive. Uh, He follows that up in the next possession, somehow managed to be even worse, uh, he has Cortland Sutton with a bit, bit of space up the sideline, but he underthrows it completely and lets the DB go up and pick it off. It didn't even give Sutton a 50-50 chance, really. After this, till about like halfway through the second quarter, the Broncos just kept going three and out over and over again. And it seemed like after those first two uh, possessions, they just didn't seem to trust Russ to pass the ball anymore. And they just ran like screens and let him check it down. Uh, with about eight minutes left in the second, they finally kind of got something going with a couple of complete passes, including one laser to Judy for like 25 yards, and it leads to a little flip touchdown from Jerry Judy with about two minutes left in the half. Uh, even on this drive, though, I feel like Russ didn't do a whole lot, even though the Broncos' O was successful. The offense just seemed very limited, which uh, I'll talk about later has been a common theme. Because they just seem to lose trust in Russ. And they're only running a couple of concepts, really, like slants and curls over and over again. Or just letting him check it off. There's no creativity, really, in their offense this half. And I feel like, yeah, bad play calling, but also a lot of just Russ, them not having trust in him. Uh, He does get the ball again for a last-minute drive, but with about 13 seconds left. He has Dolchish open on an out route underneath that would have gotten them in the field goal range. He would have gotten uh, out of bounds probably too and it would have tied the game. But he shows no pocket awareness and gets sacked without even a, an attempt to maybe step up or get out of the pocket when he definitely could have. And they ended up not scoring this drive when they could have tied up the game here. Uh, and it just seems like things like this where Russ just used to specialize in and Stuff that I just said, that was something that was a strong suit for him, and it's clearly not the case anymore. And going into the second half with about nine minutes in the third, uh, Russ actually does a good job on this drive of taking them down out of a backed-up situation, 
Uh, he had a couple of big throws to Dolcic on this one. Uh, this drive, he has one of his best throws of the day, in my opinion, where he stepped up in the pocket and finds Dolcic uh, open on the sideline on a wheel route in stride for like a 40-yard gain, and it leads to a touchdown. It wasn't a particularly impressive throw, and it's it's a bit disappointing that that was his best throw of the day, but it was a solid play nonetheless. Uh, the next drive occurs as the third quarter ends, and he just has a horrible incompletion or overthrow uh, when he had G- Judy open down the sideline deep, and it just and then he follows that up by taking a bad sack to kill that drive. Um, early in the fourth quarter, uh, third and seven, he got nearly picked off again, trying to flip it to Melvin Gordon on a little check down, just flipping it to him. And number 49 just was right in front of him. And for whatever reason, he doesn't see him and just almost straight up flips it to the linebacker. Uh, he's lucky the linebacker dropped it. Uh, later that quarter, about seven minutes left. Uh, it was I saw one of the funniest things that, of the game where backed up in his own territory, you see Russ just launch the ball downfield to the Jags 40, and you're expecting a big play probably. And you see when the camera pans, you see a wide-open Dolchich and, and K.J. Hamler both streaking down the side, down the open in the middle of the field for a walk-in touchdown. And he somehow manages to throw the ball in between both receivers so that neither of them get it. And it was just kind of ridiculous to see. With both of them wide open for touchdowns, he hits neither of them. And seeing that almost made me want to stop watching that game because it was absolutely awful. But I stuck through, and on his last drive, he was down three with about three minutes and 40 seconds left. He does find Hamler up down, uh, open down the sideline on like a 35-yard throw where the DB was just behind Hamler, and it was really accurate. He had a pretty good timely stra- uh, scramble on third and five to continue the drive, and it does end in a game-winning touchdown. However, seeing this final drive once again concerned me about Russ because they just didn't trust him with the game on the line to throw the ball. They just ran it in the red zone, and they can't expect to do that in every game-ending situation. Overall, looking at this one, despite a win against a struggling Jaguars team, Russ was simply not good and almost looked like Almost looked not startable at times. I don't know if that's a bit harsh, but it did feel that way. He did have a couple of highlight plays, but was overall inaccurate. He seemed very antsy in the pocket, and just overall, the Broncos' offense looked very limited, and that doesn't bode well for their future. Uh, And just questions about the Broncos' team overall. They did trade Bradley Chubb during the red line, and for a team that had title-contending aspirations at the start of the year, uh, what does that say about them if they're trading away a guy like Bradley Chubb, regardless of the compensation? It clearly just shows that this team isn't what it was expected to be to start the year, and Russell Wilson's a big reason why for sure. I think uh, one thing with that Bradley Chubb compensation thing is that uh, they're going to have to pay him, and I don't think he's quite elite. I think he's good, not elite, and he well clearly demanded elite money as we saw him get that contract, massive 100-plus yeah. million contract today. So it's it's a tricky situation. Um, I think they ended up making the right move. Uh, moving from a struggling offense to an offense that seems to be finding its footing at the right time, uh, we're going to Dak Prescott's performance against the Bears. And this one started hot and stayed hot. So 
In the first drive, he was matriculating the ball down the field very well. He missed one throw to Gallup. He overthrew him by like 10 yards out of the back of the end zone. Um, but besides that, um, we start on the second drive, and he continues to matriculate the ball down the field on short and intermediate passes, then finishes off with a really nice touchdown pass to C.D. Lamb, where uh, C.D. is matched up with uh, a guy I would consider a mismatch, and uh, Jaquan Brisker can't make a play on the ball. And so Dak puts it on the money on, on time, and that allows C.D. to get the touchdown. Um, and then we move into the second quarter, uh, starting a couple minutes uh, in, and Dak continues to make um, some nice intermediate passes. And then for whatever reason, the Bears defense totally collapses uh, on one of the plays. Uh, it's a QB sneak, and Dak starts to kind of fall to the right, and then he realizes that no one is going to tackle him. Uh, and so he squirts out the side for 25 yards on a, on a called QB sneak. Um, so that that's a massive gain there. Uh, that, that drive finishes with a touchdown. Uh, and then we start again in the second quarter around the nine-minute mark. And again, they, they continue to march the ball down the field. Uh, after one throw away from Dak, uh, another throw away actually a little later. Um, and they just keep going and going and going. Um, and that drive ends with a touchdown. Uh, and then we do have Dak with one mistake. Um, he threw an interception where I think it was a miscommunication between him and CD. Uh, but I think regardless, uh, even if CD runs that route correctly, uh, the the defender was breaking on the ball, and th- that would have been a pick regardless. So a bad decision there by Dak, uh, his only one of the day, really. Um, so that, that was the only unsuccessful drive for the Dallas offense. We go to the second half, where it's a much more low-volume attack, of course, uh, because Dak uh, has put the Cowboys in the lead with a great performance so far. And so we get uh, one good one great throw. Uh, on a free play to Dalton Schultz inside the hashes. Um, and, you know, he kind of just lofted it up there and dropped it in pretty nicely to Schultz. Um, and then, yeah, a couple of short passes to finish it up. So overall, uh, a great performance from Dak. Uh, I have him at 70, at 70% accuracy rating, um, which is which is a very elite number. And an MVP performance overall. Uh, I, I kind of question whether he can sustain this level of play against a defense that's got more talent, but uh, this is a great step in the right direction when last week he didn't look very good. Yeah, ever since Dax returned from injury, he hasn't looked the best. So this is a good game for him to get back on track for sure. And also, side note on the Cowboys, I feel like for a year or so now, everyone in the general NFL community, as far as what I've heard at least, has been talking about how Tony Pollard needs more touches and needs to play over Zeke. And I think we saw in this game and the time that Zeke has missed overall that Tony Pollard's definitely the real deal. And despite the $90 million contract Zeke has, Pollard definitely needs to touch the ball a lot more. And in addition to that, the Dallas defense is definitely the real deal this year. So if the Dallas offense can play like this against better competition, that's definitely a scary team to look out for. Yeah, uh, I think that he adds a good explosive play element uh, to their offense, and they kind of need needed that after their early season struggles. Uh, moving on from an offense that wanted an explosive play threat to one that has a lot of explosive play threats, uh, that's the Dolphins offense with Tua Tungvaluwa. And man, Tua was locked in in this game. Uh, it started early and it continued. Um, he did take a sack, which I thought he avoided uh, on his second drop back. Um, I'm kind of nitpicking there, but... I think he could have done a better job. 
Um, and then it just it just like started to, I mean, the Lions couldn't cover a thing, and Tua was taking advantage of everything that was there to be had. Um, he he first uh, threw a couple of intermediate passes that were on money uh, in the first quarter, and then he threw uh, a very nice one to Hill uh, down the right sideline uh, that dropped in over. Well, it was it. I say dropped in loosely because there was about 10 feet, 10, 10 yards of space, but um, it was still a nice touch throw that was on the money. Uh, then we have uh, a couple more plays where uh, Tua makes a couple of short throws and then he throws one up to Hill, uh, which is, I, I think it was an underthrown pass, of course, uh, but it was on third down. He gives his guy a shot. Um, and we know that Tyreek Hill wins contested catches and not every throw uh, has been, uh, on the money in, on the teams he's played in, in the past, Alex Smith, Patrick Mahomes, they haven't all put the ball on the money every single time, even Matt Moore for that, for that matter. Um, and then we have a really great throw on an RPO to Waddle where he anticipates the throw really early. Waddle is like three steps out of his break uh, or not three steps, out, three steps into his route and like, uh, like three more steps away from getting into his break uh, on a curl. I believe it was on this RPO and he throws it in between two defenders uh, and it's perfect ball. Um, and then we move into the second quarter where Tua has another underthrown pass, but this one I think is actually a quite a good play. Um, he has uh, Tyreek on this really, really deep post route, which I, I, I don't know how many quarterbacks in the NFL can actually throw that ball that far. It's, it's like to hit him in stride. It's like 65 yards uh, to get that ball out there. So um probably pretty difficult to uh, uh evades a pressure and throws a ball reasonably far like 45 yards down the field and Tyree comes back and gets it so I thought that was a decent play and then he finishes that drive off with uh, a really nice pass uh on the sideline or near the sideline to Jalen Waddle. uh then we move into later in the second quarter uh into their their next drive around halfway through and then we have more intermediate passing which is Perfectly placed. Um, this one to Trent Sherfield on uh, third and thirteen. Uh, the Lions were playing pretty poor defense again, um, just giving him a huge cushion to work with, and Tua just took took advantage of that. And then we have a play where um, this play wouldn't have counted uh, even if it was completed, but uh, there was a flag on the play, uh, and Tua threw it deep to Tyree Kill on a post over type thing. Uh, and it was 46 yards down the field in a tight window, and it was on the money, and Hill dropped it. So I thought that was a really impressive throw. Um, pretty impactful play if it had counted and uh, had, had Hill caught that. Uh, and then he follows that throw up, though, with with a really nice pass uh, in the intermediate area to Jalen Waddle again, who's opened again, of course. Um, we have another throw in the intermediate level to Tyreek Hill. Uh, and then... Yeah a couple of simple passes to finish off that second quarter. Uh, we move into the third quarter and we have more of the same. We start off with a couple of intermediate passes uh, from Tua to Gesicki and Hill. The Gesicki one, um, I, I mean, again, all of, all of these passes are, are pretty wide open. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the Lions defense just didn't show up. Um, uh we move to the end of the third quarter for our next really big impact play where Tua has a really nice scramble for 18 yards. Uh, and then another uh, really good tight window throw to Mike Gesicki for a touchdown where um, he has, he starts left in his, or he starts to his right uh, in his progression 
and works all the way back to the left to get Gesicki, and he drops it in over a linebacker right before the incoming safety can make a hit. Uh, and then for the final couple plays, uh, we have one where uh, off play action, he throws to a wide open receiver that's 14-ish yards down the field. That's Jalen Waddle. Uh, is a little bit behind him, but uh, a good throw nonetheless. And then the final throw that he makes of the game, a tight window throw uh, off, a, off a run action, off an RPO type thing. Um, I mean, I think, or not the final throw, the second to last throw. Uh, a defender gets a hand on it, but it still gets through, and Hill makes a great catch. Um, I think that Tua, this game, was incredibly impactful. Like, I, I just talked for, like, five minutes there just explaining the positive plays that he made, and it was it was really impressive to see him uh, make all those plays. I think that it's very possible that we're seeing him blossom into an elite quarterback, uh, but I, I would like to see uh, more evidence against a better defense to make that proclamation. In any case, I think that for now, I would say he's becoming uh, one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. In this game, uh, 57% accuracy rating, which doesn't jump out at first, but you have to realize that um, they were throwing 10 yards down the field in almost every throw. So this this performance was very impressive and definitely something to build off going forward. I think um, if he could replicate this performance, he would be one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. But that's not that's clearly not. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, I agree with a lot of what you said about Tua uh, here. It's great to see him back, of course. And I think Mike McDaniel has this offense running very well. I think he's utilizing Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle even better than I originally thought about in the offseason. And it already was high hopes for them even going into the season. They've definitely been the best wide receiver duo by far, and Tua's done a great job of facilitating them. One thing you did say, PD... When talking about the Chiefs quarterbacks, I'm not going to lie. I, I get what you're saying, but you did group Alex Smith with and Matt Moore with Patrick Mahomes. That was a little crazy, but I see what you were trying to say there. But anyways, moving on from Tua to the other conference, in one of the better matchups of the week for sure, in Minnesota and Arizona, and looking at Kirk Cousins' performance, uh, overall in this season, the Vikings offense has looked pretty good uh, this year, and Kirk has definitely been a big reason why. Uh, and he put up solid stats this game, going 24 for 36, throwing for 242 yards and two touchdowns. But looking into the game, I personally didn't think his performance was necessarily as pretty as that stat line suggests. Uh, first drives, he does start off hot with a dime to Jefferson over the middle, that was dropped just over a defender, got him about 30 yards. And on a third and four in Cardinals territory, uh, we saw a pretty rare sighting where Kirk Cousins not only ran for the first down, but he just kept going down the sideline 20 yards and ended up running for a touchdown. Uh, it was one of those plays where you just see him keep running and you think, okay, at some point he's going to slide, he's going to get out of bounds, but he just kept going and ended up running in. Uh, the defense was in man coverage, and a lot of them weren't really paying attention to Kirk, but nonetheless, it was still very funny and pretty impressive. Uh, the following drive, they did get downfield off a big run from Dalvin Cook, but in Cardinals territory, Kirk ends up throwing back-to-back -back incompletions on third and fourth and one when I felt like he had an open target on both plays. And I, he just can't be killing drives like that, especially after 
big uh, explosive plays from Dalvin Cook in the running game, nonetheless. Uh, his following drive comes in at the start of the quarter. Uh, that drive had mostly a couple of big runs from Dalvin and Alex Madison that got gets them down the field, and it gives Kirk an opportunity for an easy play-action touchdown at the one-yard line. Uh, this drive kind of just shows how lethal and explosive and even multifaceted this Vikings offense is because they didn't even use guys like Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, or even Kirk Cousins in, on this drive, and they got downfield with ease. Uh, at this point, it was really a play-calling master class from the Vikings offensively for sure. Uh, later in the second quarter, we saw a quick three and out from the Vikings because on third and four, we see Kirk have an open K.J. Osborne on a corner out underneath for a first down, and he just overthrew it into the sideline. Uh, looking into the second half, uh, first drive on a third and 13, uh, I felt like Kirk had a guy open streaking over the middle. I believe it was number 11 on the Vikings, and he just simply doesn't see it, and he finds no one and ends up getting coverage sacked by J.J. Watt. And I feel like this has been kind of a problem with Kirk, at least watching him uh, this season, where there will be a lot of drives just killed with him, just not seeing one guy, and then ends up being a coverage sack on the Vikings. The offensive line isn't the best uh, for the Vikings in general, so he's got to be better at picking up on those guys who are open right away. Uh, later on, with nine minutes left in the third, he does get lucky on a third and six where he kind of just throws it up to Justin Jefferson deep, and Je Jefferson just goes up and gets the 50-50 ball for a huge gain. Uh, and that leads to uh, Alex Madison touchdown run with about six minutes left to go. Uh, after in the very next Cardinals drive, Kyler throws an interception and gives the ball uh, to the Vikings at the Arizona 31. And with about five minutes left to third, Kirk finds a wide open Jefferson on an out route for like 20 yards, and it leads to a Dalvin Cook one-yard touchdown. Uh, he get They get the ball again with about a minute left in the third, and Kirk shows like pretty much a clear lack of pocket awareness here because his right guard is able to push the defensive lineman upfield, kind of like you're thought, uh, taught as a pass blocker. And instead of stepping up in the pocket and uh, just delivering the throw, Kirk kind of just stays stationary, and it allows Simmons to come from behind, even though he was pushed upfield, and just strip the ball from him. And it's mistakes like these big turnover mistakes that just hold Kirk Cousins back, because you feel like you see it a lot of the time. Uh, following that, early in the fourth, Kirk does hit a check down uh, too early, in my opinion, instead of letting the play develop on a third and eleven. And that kills that following drive as well. Uh, once again, the Vikings get a blessing where the Cardinals muff the punt. And the Vikings get the ball in the Arizona red zone. And that allows Kirk to find uh, K.J. Osborne in the end zone on a very tightly covered out route. But the ball was put completely on the money from Kirk. It was an easy touchdown. Uh, the Vikings get the ball again off a, a turnover from Kyler. Up eight with about six minutes left. And here you'd expect the Vikings to, you know, try to take the game away and end it. They were up eight, but here I'm not sure what they were trying to do. They give it right back because J.J. Watt absolutely destroys the Vikings' right guard. 
and sacks him pretty quickly, and they end up having to give the ball back. The Vikings get the ball again, uh, up eight after an unsuccessful Cardinals drive with about two and a half minutes left, and they once again couldn't run the clock out, and the Cardinals get once again another chance to come back and tie the game, but they don't do anything with it, and ultimately the Vikings end the game victorious. Uh, But overall, despite the win, I don't think Kirk was as impressive as he should have been. As you guys probably heard, there were a lot of good plays, but there were a lot of just mistakes that I wasn't sure what he was thinking in that situation. And in this one, the run game was super effective. Both Dalvin and Alex Madison had massive games, and he had a lot of open receivers, yet despite those two things, he made a lot of costly mistakes. He was missing receivers and squandering drives where Dalvin was making a big play. There weren't too many turnover mistakes, uh, mistake-worthy plays, except for the turnovers, obviously. But there were a lot of things like him taking bad sacks that killed drives and just held the offense back. And as I mentioned in that fourth quarter, they just didn't play good winning football because they just kept giving the ball back to the Cardinals after a quick three and out or after one or two uh, four-down cycles. And... The Cardinals couldn't take advantage, but this Vikings team is a good team. They'll be facing good competition and presumably the playoffs. They can't be doing that. They got to put games like this away, and that starts with Kirk Cousins for sure. Uh, Offensively, the play calling, in my opinion, was very good, and I feel like that's been benefiting Kirk a lot uh, and making him look very good, but I think as a player himself, he's got to show me a little bit more for me to have full trust in him. Yeah, I think um, it's actually pretty impressive for the Vikings that they've been, they're 6-1 and one now, um, and mm-hmm. Kirk isn't even playing his best ball. If Kirk was playing his best ball, they would they would be a dominant force, in my opinion. And so, um, yeah, just, yeah, he just has to... He just has to find a rhythm in this offense. They're not as aggressive as they were last year, but there's mm-hmm. definitely much more of a plan I think, uh, in this offense. So um, if they can marry the best parts of what they had last year and what they have this year, uh, I think we could see some improvement going forward to some of the stuff that you hinted at. Yeah, I like what you said about that plan because there are a bunch of like situations in this game where I felt like they were setting things up amazingly. They'd give maybe Dalvin a run and he'd have a good gain and then they'd follow that up with the exact same concept but just pull the ball out, give Kirk a pass on play action it was very methodical very smart and I just like the way the Vikings run their offense a bit but yeah if they could get a little bit of that Kirk magic from years prior this team could look even scarier but moving on from uh one slightly disappointing performance to another very disappointing performance in a divisional matchup between uh the Jets and the Patriots and I'll be looking at Zach Wilson, who ever since returning from injury, he's had a couple of rough games, and this was no different for sure. Uh, the Jets have been surprisingly impressive this year, being 5-3, and three, but I feel like they'd be a lot further along their rebuild right now if he was just not even good, but just average. And most of their roster has been improving significantly from all their losing seasons and being high up in the draft, of course. And they've made good picks, and they're winning games despite him. So 
I need to see it pick up from Zach Wilson for sure if this Jets team wants to go anywhere. Uh, he had another rough stat line. He was 20 for 41, below 50% completion. Uh, 355 yards, surprisingly, but we'll get into that. Two touchdowns and three picks. And looking at the game, the very first drive, you saw the ugliness right away. He had back-to-back completions on a second and third down. One just a ball in the dirt in the ch- on a check down. And one was just a complete overthrow uh, where he had an open receiver on the sideline. And the wide receiver ends up catching it. But because it was so high, the DB is able to push him out of bounds and cause a quick three and out. Uh, they get the ball back again early in the first. And he does a good job of getting out of the pocket under pressure and finding uh, an open Tyler Conklin for a first on the run. And the fall, but he follows that with completely overthrowing a wide open Conklin from the pocket. Uh, the very next drive. Uh, on third and five, uh, we in that same drive we see one of his best throws of the day, in my opinion. Uh, he rolls route and on the run he finds Garrett Wilson deep, uh, who would beat his CB on a double move, and he drops it right on the money in between the cornerback and the safety. Uh, he hits him in stride. Also, and overall, this is like a 60-yard gain, one of their uh, most explosive best plays of the day. Uh, However, due to him not being able to find anyone despite having a lot of time in the pocket once they were in Patriots territory, there are a couple of times where it felt like Zach Wilson had all the time in the world in the pocket, and he still managed to not complete a pass. And that drive was killed, and they ended with a field goal. And... This felt like a common theme in this game and overall with Wilson where he gets a lot of time from his offensive line and just doesn't find anyone. And I'll talk a little bit more about that later. But early in the, sec- uh, in the second quarter, he does lead one of his best drives of the day. Uh, on this drive, every pass, I feel like he stood in the pocket and took exactly what the defense gave him. And he gave his receivers a good chance for yards after the catch. He ends that drive when he finds a tightly covered Jack Conklin in the end zone for a touchdown and he puts it only in the only spot where Conklin can get it high and outside away from the cornerback was a impressive throw for sure uh late in the second quarter with a little under a minute left there's a third and two and Wilson's under mild pressure nothing too crazy and he had a wide open James Robinson on a check down only two yards downfield right at the first down marker but for some reason he just he makes an uncomfortable throwing motion where he just throws it off the back of his foot. I think it was because he was just scared to take a hit from the defensive lineman, and he kind of just leans backward, throws it off his back foot, and that weird mechanic ends up sailing the ball over the middle of the field. And everyone knows you don't want a high-sailed pass over the middle of the field because that will never end well, and it didn't in this case either. That was always going to be a pick, and it was this time too. Uh, going into the second half, early in the third, he does deliver a couple of strikes to Wilson and Conklin for huge games uh, to get in Patriots territory. But once again, in Patriots territory, the drive's killed because Wilson twice does a great job of evading pressure but just finds no one. And I'll go into this even more at the end, but this is a common theme with Zach Wilson. Uh, he needs to improve by being able to avoid pressure without having to just run around and just, like, run away from defenders, go continuously behind the line of scrimmage. 
he's got to have better pocket awareness and maybe just step up, move forward, something of that way. Because you keep hearing about his ability to escape the pocket and get away from defenders. But the way he does it, it doesn't get him anywhere. It just gets him further and further behind the line of scrimmage and just puts the pl- – it just – because of that, it messes up the timing of the play. And now he has no one to throw to, and he ends up just throwing it away. And we see that a lot in this game. Following that, though, middle of the third quarter, we see Wilson do exactly that again, where he runs around aimlessly in the end zone. And he's almost cornered by two defenders for safety, but he just manages to throw the ball away just in time. Uh, Still not a successful drive, of course. They get the ball soon after, and two minutes later, he does the exact same damn thing, where he rolls out too far right, right towards where the pass rusher was, and he gets pressured by the guy, and he tries to throw the ball away, but somehow, some way, on a ball that he it looked like it was trying to throw away, he doesn't throw the ball away, and he accidentally just leaves it along the sideline where there were multiple Patriots defenders, and he kind of just throws a lazy pass right to a Patriots defender. It was one of those like plays where you just couldn't believe what happened because it was pretty clear what Zach Wilson was kind of trying to throw the ball away, and he failed miserably for sure. And early in the fourth quarter, we see more of the exact same once again. Uh, he abandons the pocket early. He rolls right and kind of just flings the ball downfield to nobody on his own team and the ball lands straight in Jason McCourty's hands. Not sure once again, what he was thinking with about 10 minutes left in the fourth. It was just more of just inaccurate throws. His mechanics seemed off and he had just multiple plays where he's kind of just running around and threw the ball away. Another drive that led to nothing. Uh, Another mistake he made with about, Middle of the fourth quarter, he has a completely clean pocket, and his offensive line and pushes the defensive line right, it seems to be, based off what I saw in the film. And instead of shifting away from the defensive lineman, he walks straight towards where the defensive linemen are being pushed and just gives them an easy sack and kills, once again, another drive for absolutely no reason. Uh, they get the ball once, one last time with three and a half minutes left. And uh, I seem to be saying they get the ball out a lot, ball back a lot. It shows how good the defense was this game because they were probably the only reason the Jets are still in this. Uh, he does find Denzel Mims on this drive for about 15 yards and Mims breaks a couple of tackles and breaks this free for like 70 yards. And this was a big reason why... Zach Wilson had so many yards you would expect out of a bad performance like how'd he get 355 yards well he had plays like these which kind of padded his stats a bit this game because his receivers were doing a good job of breaking tackles and breaking free uh that big play did lead to a Conklin touchdown pass and even this drive there's still a lot of what I spoke about earlier he took bad sacks he had multiple plays where he had just infinite time in the pocket and he just didn't do shit with it I wasn't sure what he was doing overall just Zach Wilson has a clear pocket awareness problem I'm not sure how else to describe it but he just makes maneuvering around the pocket look awkward to me 
He's not able to stick in the pocket when he needs to. He's abandoning pockets too quick. And he just needs to be able to shuffle his feet around and make the play. Because when you're still in the pocket, you don't mess up the timing of the play. But when I see him run around and try to juke out defenders seven yards behind the line of scrimmage, you're not really getting anything out of that play. And I think his inconsistency in this is just makes him inconsistent as a quarterback in general. And that's what's holding the Jets back. And uh, I'm surprised to see him, like, so behind in his development, despite, like, he's played a good amount to where what I'm seeing and what I'm talking about here shouldn't be a problem, but it still is. And I'm wondering when that'll go away, if it does at all. Yeah, uh, I might go on a mini rant here. We have, like... Uh, we could probably we could probably fit it in. Uh, I was I was pretty high on Wilson as a prospect, and as as the as time has passed, it seems pretty clear to me that his twenty twenty season was a bit of a fluke. Um, his his seasons in twenty eighteen and nineteen look a lot more like what we're seeing right now, and so um, the traits that he showed in those seasons are what's really carried over. Um, in twenty twenty, there was uh, a high frequency of plays where um, BYU drew him up. Uh, one-on-one shots down the sideline um, with great protection. Of course, BYU's offensive line was masterful. Um, and so those those types of plays haven't really been seen in the NFL. Um, some of that, like maybe 10% of that is the play calling. But I think a lot of that is, is the fact that those plays don't really fly in the NFL as frequently. And so what we're seeing now is what, what Zach Wilson's baseline was uh, in 2018 and 19. And that's just... Uh, a, per, a player who has good velocity, great arm flexibility, can do a bunch of different things, uh, can, can kind of create occasionally, but a, a really poor decision maker who has accuracy issues because of his footwork and um, has a really high self-estimation of his athleticism. So um, all of that is amounting to what's looking like a, a really poor quarterback so far. Um, there's still like maybe a little bit of time, to turn around but i i'm i'm i've almost lost hope entirely uh th- this game was was the nail in the coffin for me personally um moving on from a quarterback who's showing signs of death to a sign of, to a quarterback who's showing signs <laughs> of life uh jalen hurts uh this game was a good one uh overall uh but i did i did think there were some signs for concern so we start off in the first quarter um some some decent passes on short short plays screens and such and then he throws like a really deep jump ball to AJ Brown and Minka Fitzpatrick plays it horribly. And AJ Brown comes down with the ball. Uh, great play by AJ Brown, but nothing impressive from Hertz to me. Um, we get a good run for about nine yards from Hertz uh, on, on the next drive. And then uh, we start getting into where Jalen Hertz starts to take the game over because um, yeah, after a couple of short passes, uh, he throws, one slightly bad pass, and then drops a dime to A.J. Brown down the sideline uh, for a touchdown. Um, we come back to the next drive. Uh, they throw a couple screen passes, a couple short runs, uh, and then Jalen Hurts throws a really nice intermediate pass to Dallas Goddard. He's wide open, but it's a perfect throw, so I appreciate what he did there. Uh, and then we have another dime to A.J. Brown, but this time it's between two defenders, and the window's even tighter, and it's on the money again. Uh, great stuff from Hurts. Uh, and at this point, it was looking like he was having one of those elite games, like the one that he had in Minnesota. He throws another good intermediate pass, but this is where uh, things start to take a little bit of a turn for the worse, in my opinion. Uh, he bails early uh, in the pocket from 
uh, a relatively clean pocket, I would say. Uh, but uh, he drops back a little too deep in the pocket, uh, forces a bad blocking angle for his tackle, and there, and then bails before the pressure even gets there. So uh, compounding a mistake with another mistake. Uh, and then we have another play uh, where he takes a sack. Um, and this one's an even bigger loss for nine yards instead of five. Uh, same thing again, where uh, he's responsible for the sack. He uh, creates the pressure by dropping back too deep. Uh, let me see what it was. Ten yards deep in the pocket in both of these both of these sacks. So, I mean, it's it's very difficult for alignment to to block that, especially when uh, you don't step up in the pocket to allow them for a cutoff angle uh, on that second second move from the edge defender. Um, so so that's really difficult for alignment to do if you're playing it that way. Uh, we have another a good throw uh, to Zach Pascal where he's wide open, but it is on the money again. So. Uh, I appreciate what he did there. Uh, and we finish it off with an intermediate pass. Uh, this one is to A.J. Brown on for about tw- uh, 12 yards through the air, and he breaks free for a 43-yard gain. So uh, I would say a bit of a mixed bag, but it's mixed to the point where it's uh, a, the positive plays are huge, huge positive chunks, and the negative plays are less negative uh, than the positives are positive. So uh, a good game from Jalen Hurts, but there are some signs for concern. And I'll also tie that in from the Thursday night football game that we just watched. And some of those mm-hmm. issues showed up again, where I think that uh, some of the sacks that he took were were uh, his own doing, where he doesn't give the Philly offensive linemen a good chance to make a block and doesn't step up to allow them for a cutoff block. So uh, a couple of those sacks I thought were his fault. Um, he did take he did have a fumble in there on a sack, which I thought he could have held onto the ball there, but it's a tricky play. Uh, not the most damaging thing in the world. Um, there's another play where he fumbled on a scramble. Um, so that kind of sums up all the negative plays that he made. But uh, there were there were some real positive takeaways from this Thursday night football game as well for me, where uh, he was throwing some really, really nice passes um, against cover two looks, Tampa two specifically, where he was hitting uh, whole shots, um, mainly to corners is what I noticed um, uh, between the cornerback and the safety. And so, that, that was pretty impactful, and that's that's a huge area of improvement for him. If he if I had uh, if someone had told me that he was he would be doing that now two years ago, I would not have believed them. This is like oh, a big big step. Not. Yeah, but again, like we're seeing some of the old traits of Jalen Hurts, but some of these new traits are really really like high level quarterback play. And so it's a mixed bag, but it's it's a mixed bag to the point where I see uh, traits of a really good quarterback coming through. And so. Um, I would expect generally positive things going forward for Jalen Hurts. Yeah, I like that you mentioned that old Jalen Hurts because he's improved so much at such a quick level. We kind of forget about, like, some of those problems he did struggle a lot with the past two years. And one of that was something you obviously mentioned with his somewhat uncomfortability in the pocket, and that causes some of those bad sacks. And sometimes he's not giving his offensive line the best chance to do their job. But – I think even in that aspect of his game, he's definitely improved significantly from his previous years. But I do agree that if he wants to continue to stay at that elite, elite tier for not only this year, of course he's there now, but even years to come, that's definitely the last facet of his game that needs the most improvement because his ability to break down defenses and his accuracy has shot up significantly to the point where I think he's good where he's at long-term for sure in those aspects of the game. 
Yeah, agree with what you said there. Um, yeah, going to move on to a quarterback who needs a lot of improvement uh, in a similar way to rookie Jalen Hurts, and that's Malik Willis. Uh, making his first start uh, in place of Ryan Tannehill, who was out with an ankle, in- ankle injury. So this game, it started off slow, did not get any better. Um, we have one pass where he throws uh, a nice one to Chigo Conquo, uh, like three yards down the field. Um, it was on the money. I guess you could say (laughs) (laughs) we have uh, one where he throws to Derrick Henry for uh, two yards. Derrick Henry breaks a tackle. That ball isn't on the money. It's slightly behind him, but he breaks a tackle. It's it's an okay play anyway. He throws an interception where he's very late and behind his receiver. Uh, This one to Hollister um, on an in-breaking route. I I forget if it was like a post or a a dig, something, something of that nature, but a bad play. He, he took too long to read it out. Um, yeah, I don't have much more to say about that. Um, this one, or the next one, he throws to Robert Woods. Um, it's it's about six yards. It's The accuracy on this one is so poor that I actually deemed it uncatchable in my in my charting. Um, but Woods makes an incredible catch. Um, I, I deemed it uncatchable because with average receiver effort, you're not going to catch that normally. So um, the... The quarter continues uh, with him throwing a good pass to Austin Hooper. That one's at the line of scrimmage, but it is on the money, I guess. Um, and then he he misses uh, Chigo Conquo wide open uh, about 16 yards down the field. This is a throw I expect uh, every quarterback to make. Um, he does throw a nice pass to Robert Woods about six yards down the field. He is wide open, but it's on the money. So I, I'm going to give him credit for that. Uh, and then we wrap up the last few plays here with uh, a pass behind the line of scrimmage that's on the money to, to Dontrell Hilliard. Uh, he breaks mm. an 11-yard gain out of it. And then uh, Willis takes a bad sack. Um, yeah, just held onto the ball for a long time. Uh, Four-plus seconds on this play. And he still didn't get rid of it. Um, yeah, I don't know what else to say about that one. Uh, we finish up with uh, a run for four yards and um, a throwaway. Those are all the plays in the second half because Derrick Henry was just having his way with the defense. And so, yeah, that that, that was it for for him. Uh, so only two plays in the second half from Malik Willis did most of his quote-unquote damage in the first half. Um, not, not really much to take away from this game. I, I think there's some tools with Malik Willis that are pretty impressive. He's very physically gifted, obviously. He can throw the ball really far. Um, he could change his arm angles, very flexible athlete, and he could break tackles, of course. Very, very good functional strength. But um, like we said, um, I, I forget when we said, but we, we've definitely talked about Willis on the show. Uh, his mm-hmm. processing is way, way behind. His accuracy is not good at this point. So it's going to take a Jalen Hurts type of development curve uh, for him to get there. And and I, I don't think it's out of question for him to, to be a good quarterback in this league. I think that um, at, at worst, he'll end up as a backup somewhere. But I think that it's very possible for him because following his track record in college, he has shown that same uh, trajectory of improvement that Jalen Hurts showed in college. So I, I don't think it's out of out of the question for him to get better. Uh, but for this game, uh, he didn't really do anything. He, he probably hurt the team. Um, yeah, I don't have much more to say about that. Yes. All right, so PD, given those like six beautiful completions – and the fact that they did win this game, I do have to ask you: uh, Do we have a QB controversy in Tennessee? Because we we all know Ryan Tannehill is already on his way out. So what do you what do you think? 
Is Malik yeah. Willis the guy moving forward? Yeah, definitely the guy. Uh, start him right now. This is this is like one of the best rookie seasons of all time. Go for it. Yeah, but, well, in all seriousness with Malik Willis, uh, I agree with a lot of what PD said there. But I do think in recent uh, memory, we have had guys like Hertz, Allen, even like Herbert, Mahomes, who take significant leaps from the player they are in college. And with a lot of the prospects coming out uh, from college now, even some of the top CFB quarterbacks I'm seeing right now that are projected to go high in the draft, I see a lot like a common theme of people just in a way overrating these project quarterbacks and just expecting every single one of them to take the massive leap. And obviously I'm hoping they all do, but that's just not the norm stuff we see out of like Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen. It's just not what's going to happen to every quarterback. So I think this was just a reality check for a lot of those people who who just think everyone's going to improve out of nowhere. Malik Willis may or may not be that guy. Like Petey said, at in college, he did have significant improvements almost every year of his career. But you can't just expect that out of him. And in this game, he truly looked like a backup quarterback. He definitely looked like someone you just toss in when the starter's not there and you run the ball through whoever's working at the time. It was Derrick Henry and pretty much everyone who the Titans ran the ball with in this game, and Malik Willis wasn't asked to do a whole lot. And that's what you expect out of a backup. And honestly, he might have even underperformed for your average backup quarterback. But it is his first game ever, so we'll see how things go in the future. Uh, But moving on from a string of bad performances, I feel like, to one that was definitely one of the better of the week, uh, we go to my Niners and Jimmy Garoppolo. And as uh, someone who's talked about being a Niners fan and a non-believer of Jimmy pretty much this entire season, I must admit, in this game, he looked very solid once again. And he's been super up and down. That's why I said once again, because... He was solid. He's he'll be solid some games, and then you'll see the game last week against the Chiefs where he's awful, or like the game versus the Broncos where he's awful. But he's also has up games, and the problem with him is when he does have up games like this, where he's he's just he's still just very solid. I know a lot of people talked about how good he was this week, and I'll get into that later. But he was still just solid. He he's and he's always either just solid or absolute trash. The high games are never, like, elite with Jimmy Garoppolo. But this was definitely a solid one, as I said. Uh, He put up great stats in this one, for sure, which everyone saw. He was 21 for 25, uh, very accurate, 235 yards and two touchdowns with no picks. And he was a huge reason why Christian McCaffrey was able to have his breakout amazing game this uh, this game, which everyone was paying attention to. But getting into this, the first quarter, the whole offense kind of starts out very slow. The run game wasn't really getting going. Uh, Jimmy had pretty much all of his four incompletions in this quarter and only completed three passes, which are all just checkdowns. The Niners were moving or scoring. They didn't score at all this quarter. So this was kind of a wash for not only Jimmy, but the whole uh, Niners offense. Uh, Early in the second quarter, though, is where uh, the offense does get going for the Niners. 
Uh, Jimmy finds Kittle up the seam for a pretty big game uh, and made it look easy, to be honest, because it was in a bit of a window, and he hits that with ease. Uh, it leads to the highlight CMC touchdown throw, which everyone would have seen. It was going all over the internet and was an absolute genius play call. Uh, nothing really from Jimmy Garoppolo on that front, but that was definitely an amazing play from Christian McCaffrey. Moving on in the middle of the second quarter, uh, this drive he has pretty much all just check down passes to Ayuk and Christian McCaffrey, which he puts them in good position for big gains uh, after the catch, and they do end up getting pretty good gains, and that's how they got downfield because CMC and Ayuk were able to make people miss. Uh, it gets them to field goal just before the half ends. Uh, and overall in the first half, Jimmy did not pretty much had all of his incompletions and only threw for 85 yards, none of which were impressive completions to say, and or except for one or two. And not much happened from him, but moving on into the third, that's where things started changing a bit. Uh, in the middle of the third, he does a great job of finding his playmakers quick, uh, similar to the first, but a little bit more depth to where he was throwing it. And he was just delivering the ball quick and on time and letting his elite players work like Kittle, IU, Christian McCaffrey, etc. Niners have a lot of weapons and Jimmy was doing a good job of distributing it to them and just letting them work. Uh, he did it all the way downfield on that drive and it ends in a highlight play where Jimmy G scans the entire field, goes through every single progression uh, in the Rams red zone and... He just turns, uh, stays firm in the pocket, is still looking, and CMC does a great job, very high IQ play. He was kind of out of the play just on a check down, and he just rolls upfield into the end zone, and Jimmy puts it exactly in the perfect spot, high and uh, away from all the defenders for CMC to just go grab it and doesn't give Ram Jalen Ramsey or the other DB in the area any chance to come over and just snatch it in a very uh, dangerous part of the field because if you pick, throw a pick there, there's no one in front of you. That's a pick six. But Jimmy just puts that ball on the money and it leads to that jumping Christian McCaffrey touchdown, which a lot of people also might have seen because Christian McCaffrey was going viral this Sunday. Uh, and as I mentioned, just a very, very high IQ play from Christian McCaffrey as well to make that happen. Uh, with about nine minutes left in the fourth quarter, uh, there was a huge completion to Ross Dwelly, who just got wide open because for whatever reason, the whole Rams secondary bit on a little out route to Ayuk underneath and just left a receiver wide open downfield. Uh, Jimmy hits him. It was slightly underthrown, but he was so open it didn't even matter. And it was for a 60-yard gain, uh, the biggest play of the day for sure. And he follows that with probably my favorite throw of the day from him at the end of that drive where uh, he was in the red zone at about the Rams 10. He rolls off a play action and on the opposite side of his uh, throwing arm and throwing motion, he finds Kittle uh, in the back of the end zone rolling the wrong way. He puts the ball high at the back of the end zone as quarterbacks are taught to do when they're throwing into the end zone, and he puts it in a spot where only Kittle can get it because there was a defender, like, right next to him. Uh, he did have Kittle wide open across the entire end zone and doesn't hit him on time because Kittle was open 
from the right side of the end zone all the way till the left where he was covered, and that's when Jimmy hit him. But he did make the throw and get that touchdown. So nonetheless, even though he missed him initially, still got around to it. But if we want perfection there, he does have to hit that sooner. Uh, I, yeah, so it did work. It's fine. But overall, I think a lot of people saw that 21 for 25 and like the completion percentage records that Jimmy G hit and thought he kind of went crazy in this game. But overall, uh, nothing he did was uh, ultra-impressive, as he threw mostly checkdowns and screens and just short passes getting the ball to his playmakers and doing what they, uh, letting them do what they need to. Uh, but what I'm most happy about as a Niners fan and just watching Jimmy G is about how he had no turnover-worthy plays this game, which is... That's a super rare occurrence for Jimmy G, uh, as someone who's watched all his games. Uh, he did make a few mistakes, but none of them were really turnover worthy. He was pretty clean in this one. And uh, if Jimmy G can play like that consistently, this team, given the roster they currently have with CMC there now, uh, it can be very successful if Jimmy G can keep playing like this. Uh, I was, I'm happy the way he was able to utilize his weapons and just the way he got them the ball. Yeah, I agree with a bunch of the things that you said about Jimmy G there. Um, I do want to point out one thing. So I think that a collection of solid throws that aren't very impressive um, is, is impressive uh, in the sense that if you don't miss um, a bunch of easy shots in basketball, like that's, that's still an impressive performance. Um, moving on to another NFC West quarterback, we have Geno Smith, who is coming off another incredible game. Um, I mean – this is what, like the fourth one, the fourth one for Geno Smith this year where he's been absolutely lights out and playing like an MVP. Um, so we start off with a simple completion um, and then a couple of incomplete passes where um, the ball just kind of gets deflected um, and the, the receiver and, and Geno are not on the same page. But then we have a great, great throw uh, in the first quarter here. Um, on third and 10 from the Seahawks 42, uh, Gino puts the ball on the money uh, for DK Metcalf on a corner route. Um, it's it's such a tight window. Um, so uh, DK Metcalf basically has to make uh, a pretty difficult catch, but um, Gino did his job on this play. Uh, I, I think Metcalf does have to come down with that ball. Um, we continue through the first quarter with some short completions. Um, there is a bad sack that Gino takes, I think. Um, he's like three seconds into the play. Um, I thought he could have definitely um, done more to get rid of the ball, uh, held the ball for a little bit too long there. Um, but then we have a, a great throw um, on third down and 14 from their own 43 to DK Metcalf in a tight window. He puts the ball on the money um, right past the sticks, and that picks up a first down. Um, we go a little slower until about midway through the second quarter um, where Gino throws a really nice pass for a touchdown to DK Metcalf. Uh, in the back of the end zone. He's wide open, but the ball's on the money, and he does a great job identifying him. Um, we slow down again uh, with some short passes, uh, a couple sacks, which I don't think were Gino's fault, um, and then a slightly off-target pass uh, that was uh, completed. Um, and then we have um, an, a great, great throw uh, to Tyler Lockett down the sideline. I think you, you guys probably have seen this uh, on social media at this point, but um, he puts it on the money for Tyler Lockett. Lockett just drops it uncharacteristically. It would have been a walk-in touchdown for him. 
Um, and so that play doesn't go on the stat sheet, but highly impactful throw. Um, we have a couple short passes, again, uh, right around the line of scrimmage, around the two-yard two area. Um, and then lock it again. Um, like, this would have been a walking touchdown, but he drops it. Uh, or rather, uh, on the last one, he doesn't get his feet in bounds, but this one, he just straight up drops it. It would have been a walking touchdown. Um, and then the fourth quarter, Gina was just lights out. Uh, we have a couple of nicely thrown short completions, and then we have Metcalf open uh, around the 12-yard marker um, outside the numbers to the right. And, yeah, Gino just puts it on the money. And then we have we finally get Lockett making a good play uh, where he's down the sideline um, to, to the right, and Gino delivers another perfect pass, and Lockett walks into the end zone. Uh, and he splits, splits two defenders, the corner and the safety. Uh, the corner gets completely toasted on a double move. Uh, and the safety comes over to help, but uh, the ball is there before the safety can make a play, and it's it's just great stuff. Uh, and then to close out the game, Gino makes a nice scramble and uh, on third and eight, and that kind of uh, puts the game away. So, yeah, I mean, Gino, Gino is sticking himself uh, into this MVP conversation. I, I'm really, I'm really impressed with what he's doing uh, so far this year. Um, when we again, like when we do our Pro Bowl ballots in a couple of weeks, uh, he he's pretty much a lock to be on there at this point. Um, yeah, his combination of arm, uh, accuracy, and like extreme aggressiveness, uh, pushing the ball down the field, uh, has been really, really impressive to watch. Uh, and even if it comes with some sacks, um, that that can be avoidable. I think that the amount of positive plays and and the quality of those positive plays that he's making this year, uh, it's just incredibly impressive. Yeah, a hundred percent. This was another one of. We've raved about Geno Smith all year, and this was just another one of those performances, which just insane from him. But moving on from one of the rare positive performances uh, out of this week's reviews to another quarterback who followed the theme of just disappointing us was Joe Burrow on Monday Night Football against Cleveland in Cleveland. Uh, this His stats seemed fine. As he was 25 for 35, throwing for 232 yards and uh, two touchdowns. But they only scored 13 points in this game as an offense. And you'll see why as you go through. And uh, we didn't. Uh, the Bengals did not have Jamar Chase in this one. And I would say for sure it definitely showed. Uh, they, they do start off strong on a third and five early in their first drive. Uh, where Burrow finds uh, Chris Evans on a back shoulder fade, which was weird to see for a running back, but it was for a first down in a big game. Uh, it, I was impressed Evans even caught it, but the throw was definitely on point for sure. Uh, he does follow that with an absolutely terrible play, probably his worst of the day, where he has T. Higgins wide open just standing in the middle of the f- uh, field, and he kind of throws a lazy pass that gets tipped at the line by Miles Garrett. I feel like he could have maybe changed his arm angle or the trajectory of his throw to account for the fact that Miles Garrett's right in front of him. But instead, he chose to throw it right at him. And the ball gets tipped at the line and then tipped once again by T. Higgins trying to grab that errant uh, tip throw. And it ends up just being a pick for the Browns. And funnily enough, Garrett also does, after that great play, uh, he steamrolls Joe Burrow, who was trying to come over and tackle the guy uh, returning that interception. So just an overall L from Burrow. 
taken from Miles Garrett here. Uh, following that, in the middle of the first, uh, he does do a great job of finding Tyler Boyd on a third and ten, right on the sideline, and it was right in between two defenders, so just an on-the-money throw. Uh, but the drive does get killed later by Miles Garrett on a sack on third down. Uh, this one's really no fault of Burrow. He just had no time, and Garrett just absolutely destroyed uh, his tackled. Uh, they do get the ball back at the end of the first in good field position, but like it was around the 50-yard line, but the Bengals go three and out immediately because on third and seven, for whatever reason, Burrow just chooses to check it down almost immediately instead of letting the play develop when he did seem to have a clean pocket. Uh, just another... I'm not sure what he was doing type of play. So just overall, not a great quarter from Burrow. And the Browns followed this drive with this Bengals drive with a very long, methodical drive. So the Bengals don't even get the ball until three and a half minutes are left in the second. And even here, Burrow is just careless with the ball. And he kind of just leaves it out in the open uh, with his weak arm instead of tucking it as he's shuffling around in the pocket. And Garrett just comes over and strips it with ease. And the Browns end up recovering. Uh, the Bengals' defense does give them the ball back, though, uh, with a quick pick of the Browns' offense. And the Bengals get the ball once again in good field position with only two minutes, uh, under two minutes left in the half. Uh, however, this drive once again stalls because the left tackle just couldn't block once again, gives up a quick sack, and... Uh, this puts them kind of out of field goal range and towards the end of field goal range, which is a big deal because they end up missing that field goal at the end of the half. And at this point, uh, I think they still hadn't scored. So that was super important for them to even get points on the board. And they failed to do so. Uh, looking at Burrow's first half uh, drive of the second half, with about nine minutes left in the third, the Bengals go on a quick three and out because Burrow just fails to find his wide open check down and takes another bad sack. He isn't getting good blocking once again, as I've mentioned a couple of times now, but this one I felt like was more Burrow's problem because he did have his check down who looked like they had space to pick up the first, and he just doesn't find him. Uh, and you definitely can't do this when you're already down 18 and really need to get the offense going. Burrow's got to be better at that, especially at, the, at that point in the game. Uh, the next drive came uh, late in the third. They're down 25 points now, and Burrow's able to take the ball upfield pretty easily on short intermediate throws because the Browns' defense is just playing back. It's the fourth, and they're up 25. Uh, he does cap this drive where they get downfield pretty easily uh, with an impressive play where he avoids pressure, uh, gets out of the pocket, and finds Tyler Boyd open in the end zone for a 15-yard touchdown uh, early in the fourth. And he does it again with about seven minutes left in the fourth where uh, the Bengals have probably their best offensive play of the day uh, where Burrow kind of just throws the ball up to Higgins on a 50-50 ball. Uh, in normal circumstances, I wouldn't say this was the smartest of plays, but given uh, the situation they were in down so many points, honestly, that was a pretty good one given how good T. Higgins is coming uh, at coming down with those and as we can see from the results, where T. Higgins did come out, with, not only came down with the pass, but he also ran in for a touchdown. So clearly was the right play, and not really much more happens after that touchdown pass. 
the game was 32-13, to and the Browns, just on offense, were running out the clock while the Bengals were desperately trying to put together some more points and just were not able to. Uh, overall, I think I've seen one major narrative of Joe Burrow following this game was, is he a Jamar Chase merchant in a sense? Because his rookie year, he was nowhere near what he was in his second year. Uh, and this game, once again, he looked a lot more like rookie Joe Burrow than uh, damn near MVP Joe Burrow last year that took them to the Super Bowl without Jamar Chase. Uh, my stance on the matter, and I guess uh, we'll hear PDs in a second, I don't think he's quite a Jamar Chase merchant. He definitely improved as a player between his first and second year. But it is clear that without that deep threat, without that explosive receiver that can just take a slant, uh, break that open for a 70-yard touchdown, and just someone who's also a decoy a lot on the field with their other weapons, uh, this Bengals offense is definitely a lot more limited. Uh, I'm not sure what's going on with Burrow this year because he continuously just follows elite performances where he's absolutely amazing with, like, these duds, and I don't know what's going on with him because he definitely wasn't as up and down last year. And I know his offensive line's not the best, but to be elite, he definitely has to be more consistent himself. And, yeah, that's about it. Uh, I kind of disagree with what you said there, actually, uh, with the huh. uh, him him saying him being uh, inconsistent this year versus last year. The thing that that uh, separated it last year from what's happening this year is um, last year's duds were him playing average. This year's duds are him playing bad, and so it's kind of it's kind of difficult uh, to to maintain good level of quarterback play when when you keep doing that. I think that actually this game wasn't one of like the biggest duds. I think he was okay. Um, a couple of really good throws, and I think maybe one of the sacks was on him. Um, all, all of the other, like three of the, the sacks were just like, what? What is the O line doing? Like the pocket just caves in on him in in less than two and a half seconds, and yeah, the play is just over. I don't think any quarterback short of like, I don't know, Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, someone with like um, insane mobility would be able to make a positive play. And those are like extra impressive while what Burrow does is just expected. So um, I think, so that, that, that was my takeaway from what he did with sacks. And then the, the batted pass with Miles Garrett. Yeah. I mean, you could say that he could have thrown a better ball, but I'm not going to just be like, no, that, that interception was his fault. That's, that's, that's not what I'm going to do. Um, and then uh, what was it? The other interception. Uh, I, I don't think that was his fault either. So, what we have is like a bunch of plays that are neutrals and the offense isn't going anywhere. And, and that's definitely a function of what happens with Jamar Chase, because in those tough situations, uh, one of Burrow's reflexes is to throw the ball to Jamar Chase. And it's usually on the money and Jamar Chase is like locked in chemistry wise with Burrow. And so, yeah, it usually leads to very good things for the Bengals offense. Uh, I think that without Chase, it's, it's very difficult uh, for them to generate good offense because while T. Higgins is an elite number two, he's probably not the greatest number one receiver. And while Tyler Boyd is an elite number three, he's not the greatest number number two receiver. And so, you're, you're and 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 also you're you're putting Mike Thomas on the field, and Mike Thomas is not good. So, <laughs> I mean, Burrow doesn't have great options at receiver when Jamar Chase is uh, off the field. They're okay, but it, it's not. It's definitely not the same level. And of course, we we know the the consistency of the offensive line is really poor. So 
all of those factors come out to a poor offensive performance, but I don't think uh, this one was on Burrow. I think, of course, he could have played better. He was he was whatever, but yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna blame this game on Burrow. I thought he was pretty average. Yeah, and in in addition to all those drawbacks, one thing we didn't even talk about yet is how awful the run game has been this year compared to last year, where Mixon had a very very good season last year and was, I believe, even a pro bowler for whatever that's worth. But this year he's looked pretty awful, very not much explosiveness. Uh, this offensive line's definitely not giving him any help with holes. And it's kind of just been a repeat of them just getting stuffed at the line over and over again. And Jamar did bring that pretty much their only like playmaking threat outside of maybe a big T Higgins 50-50 ball. Other than that, they really have no explosiveness on that offense without uh, Jamar Chase. And all those things you did mention about uh, Joe Burrow and his receivers, all that I have to say about that is this is what my boy Justin Herbert's been dealing with for a while now, and I'm glad that just Joe Burrow gets a little piece of it because – no one would be shitting on uh, Justin Herbert for not winning if if he had. Well, he does have similar uh, a similar situation to Burrow's current one without Chase. So that's all I'm gonna say. But with that being said, that's all of our reviews for the week. Uh, any final words, PD, about the reviews of no, week eight? No. No. Um... Yeah, good slate of games. Uh, we'll catch you guys in part two of this episode uh, in yeah. the reviews for, for next week. So that's all for yep, us. Yep, we have a special this week where we're going to have two episodes. We're going to preview the next week in a separate episode, see how that works. So yep. if you like this one, check out the, the other one we have this week, and we'll see you guys on that. All right. Peace. Peace.